You're listening to the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast with Chris Dempsey. All right, guys, welcome to episode 13. I don't think I said that last time that it was episode 12, but welcome to episode 13, Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dempsey. Um, reach me at Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast at gmail.com. Wouldn't it be cool on Facebook and Instagram? Um, so I'm back at uh, Sonny's Tavern in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, this time I'm sitting with John McLean, otherwise known as the Juan McLean. Uh, John is a probably like the most famous guy I know. I guess um, he's a DJ that just travels the world and plays massive parties, and uh, he was a he also was a musician, played in a band, but um, I guess this guy's pretty big, so I hear. Um, but such a cool, down-to-earth, mellow, real, humble dude. Um, we sat, and um, I guess I thought I'd find all out, uh, find all about DJing and what it's like. Uh, we did talk about that a little bit, but really, we just talked about life and the world and people and. Um, he, he's got a lot of cool perspectives, uh, and the, the conversation just meandered in this really comfortable, easygoing way. I think you'll enjoy him. Uh, I guess that's it. Um, sit back and enjoy the show. The Juan McLean. Goes without saying, but there's no phones allowed at the table, dinner table. Um, Yeah. Yeah, agree. We do. Yeah, we do too. Do you ever do the um, um, uh, my friend Blake that I was just mentioning said that a group of kids come to his restaurant. He's a manager of flatbreads. Yeah, and he says this group of teenagers come and they put they all put their phones in a pile in the middle of the table. Wow, and if teenagers anyone, and if teenagers and if anyone grabs if anyone grabs the phone. They have to pay for the bill. Oh wow! So it's just for it's a this little game. like yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it is a good game. Wow. Um. So, uh, but I I mean like I I don't know I try to do it. I practice as much as I can. Good practice. I'm just making sure. And uh, like when I'm out, I, I just try to keep that thing yeah. in my pocket. You know. I I was looking at this um, ten day meditation retreat. Western Mass, and you can, they don't take away your stuff, but you can check it in right. when you get there. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah. And Ten then, days. And then one further, which my a friend of mine did, he was telling me about, was the also no talking. Yeah. Have you heard of it? Is, they, that, that, is that what it is? It's that as well. It's a okay. silent retreat. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. Talking. Silent retreat, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I too <laughs> am like kind of tempted. It, the way that I imagine... It resets like your nervous system, probably literally, yeah. yeah, yeah, like not as a sort of metaphorical thing. Like, it, I think it literally will alter like your brain chemistry, yeah, your nervous system, yeah. Although he had a funny story. He was <laughs> this guy. He's there, and uh, the way he's telling it is, you know, he can't talk. It's a silent retreat. He's trying yeah. to like get into it. He's trying to embrace the whole thing, but then. He noticed he was under, I forget exactly the story, but it was like someone, he thought someone used his jacket 
and it was like outside and, and like it was rainy and then he went to get his jacket and someone had it yeah. and then he was like you know like trying to do this like like eye contact sort of thing yeah. and then he's in his head he's got this dialogue going and then he sees him again like outside wearing his jacket and he's like I'm going to go he's like yeah. I'm going to go up to this guy and like break his arm <laughs> and not yeah. say anything and then he found out that uh, they there was like a, a look-alike jacket and but the yeah. whole time it wasn't even his. That would be pretty funny. If <laughs> but he, he couldn't say it. He couldn't attack like, the guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he couldn't like vent. He, did, he, he, he honored the silent in his uh, rage. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing with the screens, though, I, I'm as guilty as anyone. I, I, I don't know oh. how much time ever goes by that I haven't looked at my phone. I can't Definitely not 15 it. minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. I know. I know. While I could tell you, talk at length about how much I think it sucks and that we shouldn't be looking at a screen constantly, I, you know, I'm doing it. Yeah, I, I, this is, well, as I was explaining to you about the rebranding of my podcast and, and sort of like where I'm headed with its, uh, with its message, that is specifically what it's about. It's yeah. about getting back to the long-form conversation. It's about being present in the moment, engaging with someone one-on-one, eye contact, like the whole thing, and not having to, like, and just, like, not burying your face in a screen. Yeah. And, and, I, and I do think, you know, just what you were saying, like, I am addicted. Like, we should, there, there, and there probably will be, like, the whole AA thing. There's yeah. going to be, like, a SA, a screen anonymous, like a technology anonymous where... People are literally going to get have to get off this thing. I think it's a literal addiction. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. they, they uh, you do get a jolt of um, dopamine. Dopamine. Yeah, exactly. When you look at your screen yeah, and you become exactly. addicted to yeah. it. It's a little hunt and gather. Yeah. It's a hunt and kill. It's yeah. like, ooh, 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 ooh. You know, and then there, oh, no. Yeah. Ooh, maybe, ooh, maybe, you know, it's, uh. I did go uh, on a date last weekend that started at 8 p.m. at dinner and ended at 12.30 with neither of us looking at a phone. The whole time. Talking the entire time. Yeah. And you, uh, and you were absolutely aware of it, right? Like you noticed. Well, I wouldn't say like not, not aware, meaning like... Uh, you know that nobody's looking at their... Sc- you, yeah. you never forget about it. Yeah. You can't just forget that the screens exist. Yeah. But still... It was, you know, we were able to speak for four and a half hours. Yeah. And, but also as someone who, who, you know, travels around a lot, when you go to like Paris, say, it's, it's not unusual to sit down at dinner and have an hour go by before you even order food. Right. You know, nobody's complaining like, oh, where's the, where's the waiter or something. Yeah. Like they just have a culture of going to a restaurant and sitting for hours and talking. Yeah. I, I love that. Person. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Like, I feel like I kind of, um, it's sort of like what we did. We sat down yeah. here, and, and, the way, and, and, uh, and I, I would venture to even say our service industry is geared towards us needing it quicker. Because yeah. you and I sort Seven of sat down and just started talking. Yeah. And she comes up, and she's like, do you know what you want? Yeah. We're like, uh, <laughs> haven't even looked. Yeah. Like, and it, it seems like such an easy uh, criticism these days. And I don't know how much truth there is to it, but I know like with millennials, and I know everyone's always picking on millennials, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think they can't talk about anything. 
Well, that's that's one of my arguments again. Like, I don't I don't mean to use that word argument, but like it's one of my observations of my potential observations of potential pitfalls of techno of a, of a generation growing up knowing nothing but this level of technology. Yeah. Right. So they just simply are not developing these tools to engage in conversation. Yeah. There's also something about uh, <clears throat> doing things. Like yeah. when I was, uh, I mean, my whole life, you know, I've had two very successful music careers without any music training. Right. When I was like 16, you know, I was really into music, I was into punk rock and hardcore, and I said, Wait, I want to be in a band. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be like those guys that play in the band. I want to do that and I want to make records. Yeah. So when I graduated from high school, I took my high school graduation money and I bought a guitar and then very quickly made a band without, I just kept doing things yeah. without anyone telling me, well, people will tell you you can't do it, but I just did it anyway. Yeah. And I would ask people how to do things and, and I just proceeded forward and did them and it worked out. But like now, like my kids, like, they can't cross the street without looking it up on, you know, <laughs> on the internet without or Google something. mapping it. Yeah, yeah, or, or something. Like everything is about their devices. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's watching other people do stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, I want to yeah, do that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to watch other people do it and see their right. success on their Yeah. Yeah, that's the deeper thing that I've been noticing as well is yeah, this kind of like doing yeah, doing things. But, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. No, neither do I. I don't think anyone does it. And it's, no. It's, and, and I think uh, to further that question is, is there going to be an answer? Is there going to be an Or, like, are we just fucked? You know what well, I mean? Well, like, that is... Because there's another side of this equation that this could simply be the way that the world is going to be. Exactly. And we will be the yeah. people that haven't adapted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So we're the ones that have embraced on the outside fully. Yeah. And um, then that's simply the world. Yeah. And then we're going to be die, you know, we're going to die yeah. off and then it's <laughs> yeah. going to be this generation of like, but then, yeah. it, or, and, or it's also going to take something like really catastrophic, you know, it's going to take like a, some catastrophic event that's just going to wipe technology away. Yeah. And wipe, you know, social media. Like I heard something recently, I, you know, like I'm on Facebook and I saw some little clickbait article that talked about like oh mark zuckerberg and some guy are talking about having censoring on facebook and yeah. my first impression was like that would be fucking awesome actually yeah i actually think that would be a good idea because because <laughs> yeah. i i even posted the other day something like facebook is just simply too much for us to handle like, it is we, we can't handle yeah. this level of social media we can't handle no. this level of information coming at us and and we can't handle everyone having a voice and everyone having an opinion and it's leading to this um this endless need to just keep looking and looking and looking and looking and it's just taking us out of life that's why i think everyone can have an opinion but everyone's opinion is not worth hearing <laughs> you sound like such a jerk when you say things yeah, like that but it's, but it's, it's simply true, true. Yeah, and then it it's also true. that like people <laughs> post these things like with political things 
you know, they go on and on on Facebook. And if you think that you're doing something, like you're sorely mistaken. Yeah, exactly. Like what? What do you think you're accomplishing? Yeah, exactly. You know, like someone I don't remember who I was talking to. There, there was a big club in London that closed, called Fabric, and it was an institution for like over 20 years. Mm. It's like a centerpiece of London nightlife. And everyone knew that there were these council meetings coming up where they were going to discuss closing the club. Um, and it was going to be shut down because some kids had died taking drugs or something. So what everyone does is they change their Facebook profile picture to, to a picture the, of the club. Yeah, to the meme, to the, yeah, like this thing yeah, that the everybody... sign... The, it, that's what it was. It was the club's yeah. logo. <laughs> Everywhere on Facebook, you saw this. Yeah. And then the, and I was talking to, I, I don't remember who it was, someone older than me, like 20 years older than me. He was saying in his day when that stuff happened, the streets would be, at, when they were having that meeting, they'd have to walk through crowds of like thousands oh, of people. Right, it would right. be out in the streets. Like, uh, like people actually doing it. Yeah. They would go out just, into the yeah. streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not even my generation. If you think of like the 60s, yeah. there is this thing of like you're outside in groups of people. Yeah. Like even just assembly. Yeah. And I feel like social media has it's done also, away with assembly. I mean, that is also simply making, a, making the effort. What effort yeah. is it to change your fucking profile picture? <laughs> but people act like it's taking great effort. I know. Like I, I they know. really want to be pat on yeah. the back for changing your profile picture. I'm with I, Paris. I, I don't, I yeah, don't, are you? I, yeah, it. I, yeah, but that's um, and it's paralyzed everybody between that and just the constant flow of information, yeah. like just useless information. Yeah, and th- and that's what I mean. It's like I don't I don't quite know how to word it, but it's that constant flow of information that that we're addicted to, and so and that constant flow of information is never going to end. So never. we're in this like rabbit hole. That is endless, and yeah. we're just like you know, it's like a, you know, just flipping through the files, flip, 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 like it never ends. It's a circle, and so we are like, I don't even. Oh, it makes me crazy. We're wasting our time, like, and I, and again, yeah. like you said, I am absolutely guilty of it. Yeah, you know, like if I post a goddamn picture on Instagram and Facebook, there I am flipping back and forth between Instagram to see how many likes it got. Yeah, I like, do the same. Yeah. It's crazy. I do the same thing while criticizing the very process. <laughs> like I can go on at length about how <laughs> terrible it is that this is now how people feed their self-esteem. Yeah. But then I'll post the picture on Instagram and but, check back and see how many people liked it. And even worse, see who liked it. Yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes yeah. I'll look up and be like, oh, oh. ooh, neat. Ooh, he yeah. liked it. But you remember that movie uh, Wall-E? Wally? Oh no, I don't. But someone, some, some that just came up today. Oh man, I yeah. wish I could remember. But go ahead, I, I can't remember how. I mean, it's it in the same like context. Ten years ago now that it came out, it's it's a kids movie yep. basically. It's animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the but, space, the like yeah. the space station where Wally's alone, and people are so fat that they're all they don't walk. They ride around in carts. Yeah. and in the carts they have um, there's a screen that comes up and is constantly in front of your face. Yeah, so you're just you know. Overweight, yeah. driving around in a cart, looking at a screen. Yeah, this is like ten years ago, and yeah, I, I remember when it came out, and people were like, "How, you know, insightful it it was." 
but that's just what we're turning into yeah. basically. I mean, that's the other, um, that's the other scenario, you know, like the catastrophic event that could end it. Yeah. Or, or we just keep sliding get, down that. And we get people like us are the anomaly basically. Like I, I think my kids could come to a restaurant and sit with people and they could all sit on their phones. I guess they would. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what they would talk to, but they're, talk about, but they're also teenagers. Yeah. Well, but I my, guess I like, talked to my friends when I was a teenager. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like my, like my kids, both of my kids, um, absolutely have the ability to put their phones down. Yeah. They can like, like we'll go out to dinner and, and neither, like not, the three of us will not see our phones and we'll have really engaging, good conversation. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other times where uh, my son, the least, he's the least obsessed. My daughter and I are more, you know, like, I mean, I'll, I'll sit in the kitchen and just scroll my phone. Yeah. I'll just sit there and scroll it for a while and just read things. I'll get interested in stuff and read it. Yeah. Aiden, not so much, but we all do have at least have the ability to like put it down and it's... Yeah. At least that's something. And I take them away at night as well. Say, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. You should. I think yeah. nine o'clock is when they, yeah. they don't get them anymore. Yeah. And I'm surprised. Like It's good for sleep. Lots of well. their friends stay up all night on their phones. I don't know why the parents don't take them away. But they don't want to fight. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. are lots of good things about them. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, well. When me and my son were in London for the six weeks, he could find his way all around a city uh, by using your phone. But then now that I'm saying that, I remember that I went to London with my family when I was a senior in high school. Without a phone. As soon as I got there, I bolted. Like, I didn't want to be around my family. And now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I I have no idea how I got around. But I'm here now. Well, you asked a human. I guess I, yeah, I don't know. To, you went up to the yeah. uh, official behind the glass and the, yeah. the tea yeah. station and said, "Hey, I need." I mean, I remember that. I remember because I grew up um, in uh, Newton, outside Boston, yeah. and, and the tea was a big part of my life. Yeah, me too. When I was in high right. school, yeah. that's how so, we got into the city. So you know, I, I was not. I was not. It was normal for me to just walk up and say, "Hey, what what train do I get on to get to this thing?" Yeah, and the person would say, "Blah blah blah." Yeah, yeah. I mean that. That's another thing. You're reminding me that my high school years were spent on the weekends taking the subway to Central Square. And then we would skateboard down Mass Ave. To Harvard Square. To Harvard Square and stop at all the record stores along the way. But even like at the record store, there was no way to know what to buy. Yeah. Like you had to talk to people about this stuff. Right. Like there was just networks of people talking about music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I the problem is when you start talking this way I feel like an old person you know like, <laughs> and, like and back cynical. in the old days yeah 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 and, and cynical and pessimistic but I guess there but it's frustrating there are, I, I am just frustrated by it I think there are objective truths in the world in general and it's like for example you could say it's healthier to walk down the street than to sit on a cart and have it propel you down the street yeah i think it's healthier for the human brain to talk to another person oh my god than to look at a screen like that's not my the opinion of an older person yeah it it simply is like it's a it's a you can it's a measurable thing like they can measure the stuff happening in your brain yeah yeah 
I but, see one going mush, mush. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, and with me too, I've noticed with now you can watch anything on screens now. Like, it was only not too long ago if you want to watch a TV show, you had to be on the couch at a certain time, you know. Right. Certain time of day. Yep. And that was it. That was your chance to do yep. it. Yeah. Now you can watch like any movie that's ever been made and any TV show that's ever been made. Yeah, virtually at any time. Yeah, yeah. and I notice because if it's if it isn't on somewhere legally, you can probably find it by booting yeah. somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now my reading has gone uh, way, way <laughs> down. And I was like a huge reader my yeah. entire life from the time I, as a child, I was always reading. Yeah. And. Lately, I mean, just within the last few days, I was like, I can't, I'm going to stop watching TV for a while because I'm not reading anymore. And that's another thing that does alter your brain. Like you, if you watch too much TV, you don't have the, um, like the attention span ability to read anymore. Right. And I always found that true when I was reading so much, I'd try to watch like a dumb TV show and I just couldn't watch it because I didn't have like the patience for it. Right. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the other effect. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. so it's like, what? Which one is better? I, can you say that one is better than? The, is it better yes. to be reading books and to be watching? Uh, yes. What was I watching? A lot of. I, I mean, the, the no, shows. I'm not. Yeah. I like watching stuff. Like, yeah. I'm entertained. I get stuff out of it. It's uh, some stuff like watching cool stuff is inspiring. Yeah. Which is all good, but reading, I mean, for sure, is a much better exercise yeah. you know like you like then your your brain's doing a lot of the work yeah and it's, and as you get older it's supposed to be good for like warding off alzheimer's mm-hmm. which is, is something i really don't want see that'll be a really interesting like is all this screen attention and all this lack of like you know uh doing the brain work yourself instead of it happening for you by the device yeah that's going to be a sad Potentially sad, potentially interesting. Yeah, you know, observation. Something later. that we can't know, and for yeah. another thirty or forty years or something. Yeah, yeah. There was something on NPR about it yesterday. Um, it was actually about reading. People who had read their whole lives have less chance of getting Alzheimer's. Oh, really? But they don't know why. So yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm imagining. It, you yeah, know, it's probably like brain exercise. Yeah, intuitively it's exercising it's, your brain. Yeah. yeah. Watching uh, some TV shows. And <laughs> no, it isn't. It's, but that's it's the problem. Exercising your brain. That's the problem with all of this stuff, though, yeah. is if it's easy to do and it's sitting right in front of you, and I consider myself a pretty disciplined person. Yeah. Even I, like, I yield to it most of the time. Yeah. Me too. Like looking at the phone. Mm. I have a TV, you know. I originally got it just to watch movies every once in a while. But then now like I have Apple TV and there's a whole bunch of stuff I can watch. And then at night it's like, well, do I want to lie down and read a book or watch this new show? Yeah. And I I succumb to it for sure. Or scroll Facebook. Yeah. Or worse, (laughs) I do them at the same time. Oh, yeah. That, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah. I watch a movie or a TV show while looking at Twitter or Facebook and yeah. all those things. I forget what they call Twitter and Facebook. They're called something about how they're infinite. There's no end. Right. That, that's yeah. what the problem is. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I was saying. Never, that's what never, I was saying. Never. Yeah. There's no end to it. Right. 
That's, yeah. that's the danger. Yeah. It's like a drug. It's the same with there's no end to taking drugs. Yeah. You know, but like you, you get it. That's why people die of heroin. Yeah. There's no end. The end is you die. Yeah. Yeah. That's really. Yeah. That's funny. I, uh, I don't know if you know this. I was a heroin addict. I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. Just, just that. So Just I, that. I got over. No, that. you know, actually, I, I feel like now you that must, you say I that, I had to have told you. Yeah, that. now that you say that, I think I did. And know. I was very young, you know, yeah. at a at a very young age. Yeah. So how old? Uh, it ended when I was twenty five. Right. So it's been many years. Yeah. But um, so I'm very aware of like addictive processes. Yeah. Basically. So that so the and it, it must feels feel, yeah. addictive to me. Like yeah. I'm very aware, like because I because I have to kind of monitor it still. You know, like it never goes away. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it, it feels like an addiction to me. But it, it and it only feels like an addiction. It literally is because yeah. the stuff is firing off in your brain yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, yeah. But, uh, an observation from the trenches. Yeah, but they um. But that's why I think I'm inclined to go to detox, go to the 10-hour, yeah, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah. 10-day yeah. meditation retreat, silent, no screens. Yeah, you that's, should do it. That's how I think of things. Yeah, yeah. Did you say it's in Western Mass? Yeah, there's a few in Western Mass. There's one called I am S or F, I don't know, something yeah. meditation foundation. Do you have a sense of how much those cost? Yeah, the one I looked into, which is amazing, is uh, by donation. You decide at the end how much you're going to donate. At the end. Yeah. And you essentially decide, like, you're, you'll be paying for the people that come after you. Yeah. And the teachers all do it for free. Like, yeah, they don't yeah. get paid. And I, I feel I, like I've heard of that one. Yeah. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have friends that have done it. I, I, everyone I know that has done this kind of thing has said it's amazing. Like, yeah. it really changes yeah, your yeah. life. Like, nothing but awesome. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I went to India for six weeks once to do yoga, Ashtanga yoga, and it was a similar thing. Like, I barely, I had my phone, but I barely looked at it when I was there. It barely worked. But just that whole thing of, like, doing something like that every day. Um, like, the relief of stress when I was there, that, I say it's the happiest I've ever been in my life, but really, it's the most absent of s- stress Mm. I've, I've ever experienced in my mm. life, which is I, I would rather have over happiness. I think. Yeah. But it, it just makes you realize, like when I came home, it just you start looking around at your life and you're like, why do I, you know why? There's so many. Uh, like when I was in India, I had a single a room with a single bed, no shower. There's just a bucket that you could dump over yourself, and that's it. Yeah. You know, and, I, and I, very quickly I was like, why we don't need any of this crap mm. like you and i live pretty spartan lifestyles compared to the norm like people that i just don't understand the process of you get a raise at a job like a big raise like a ten thousand dollar a year raise or something and then why go get a new car mm. that just ate up that ten thousand dollars a year when it could buy you freedom basically is the way mm. i look at it it could buy you time mm. or or buy you less stress yeah i guess kind of the same thing yeah like i would value the freedom time absence of stress over the better car yeah the newer better 
Yeah, because those things... I mean, it's not my opinion that they don't make people happy. They simply don't make people happy. Yeah. But I, it, I guess you have to ask yourself the fundamental question, like, what makes people happy? That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a subjective one. But it's definitely not... <clears throat> I personally think, yeah, it's not stuff. I, I, I'm in the same... Excuse me. I'm in the same camp of, of I just I don't want stuff. That's where my life is headed, and I've been I've been cultivating that now for several years of just like less stuff. Yeah, you know, like when I I'm wearing clothes that I've had for years and years and years, and like sometimes I'll buy like a new shirt. Yeah, you know, a new pair of pants or something, and like every once in a while, but I try to keep it really really minimal. Like my, my car is like. 28 years old or something like car is a big one yeah because that's kind of central to americans identity yeah a lot of people their car has a lot to do with their identity which yeah i i you can get deep into this world of like how much are we being bred to be consumers so that we just are supporting this oh. like system of buying more oh. and more stuff. Oh yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. Like we, <laughs> and are then being, you die. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> being bred for sure. Yeah, into that. Yeah, bred to consume. Yeah, yeah. And then die. Buy, 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 and die. Yeah, and yeah. eat, buy stuff, eat stuff. You're more and more unhappy. You're more and more unhealthy, and then you die. Yeah, I mean, I stopped. <laughs> like, I, I don't. I stopped buying like gifts. For people, you yeah, know, I don't buy gifts. I give experiences. Yeah, you know, like my kids' birthdays and Christmas. It's like let's just do stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you have young kids, you really realize, like, at Christmas, like little kids, you buy them all these to- all this crap. Oh yeah, and they're happy with it for one day. Yeah, and then it's all gone. Yeah, and where does it go? It all goes into like a landfill. So, yeah. you know, but as adults, then that's what you're outside the norm if you don't participate in that. And not only that, you get judged by it to a certain extent. Like, if you're in your 40s and you're driving a 20-year-old car, living in an apartment that doesn't have much stuff in it, I think that registers as, like, failure to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Where it's something I aspire to Exactly, where I was just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's my little secret. Yeah. I'm, like, the happiest person. Like, yeah, exactly. Or, uh, yeah, I guess... I mean, I live a pretty privileged life, I guess, because I don't have to go to a job every day. Mm. I travel a lot. But I also, like, made the decisions to do that stuff. Exactly. I don't know. I value that more than anything else. Like, I I give up a lot of stuff. Like, I don't make a lot of money, but I make enough money that I can live and I, I can do whatever I want with my time. Yeah. And you can live in the northeast of the United States. Yeah. The most expensive. In part like, of the United yeah, States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I guess also people look at that as immaturity, too. They're wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it's funny. Like, I actually still have the same ideals I had when I was 16 years old. Because I would look at people like my parents, who, you know, it's the classic. You're the 16-year-old jerk criticizing your parents who are slaving away to be able to put you like in a good school and yeah. feed you and clothe you and be like, I don't want to go work 
50, 60 hours a week to just be tired all the time and have nothing left for life. I mean, my parents had a good life, but I'm not not them necessarily. But I know what you mean. But that existence of like, go to work, come home, eat, watch watch TV, TV, get up and do it again. Yeah. And honestly, like I can't blame people half the time because work takes so much out of them. You really, how can you do anything more than come home and watch TV? Yeah, really? yeah. But that's by choosing know. to. Yeah, that's how you can do. There it. are choices. I yeah. think that's where the whole problem lies. Is people, people look at me and say you're lucky, and I have been lucky to a certain extent. But you can yeah. make decisions to make your life more like my exactly. life. Exactly. I mean, like think of, and and same like with what I do. Like I I build houses. You know what I mean? Like I work construction all day. Yeah. So a lot of people that do what I do, they're exhausted at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, they come home, they, they get up early, they go to work, they bang nails all day. Yeah. And then they go home and have a beer and you yeah. know, sit on the couch and they're exhausted and they get up. But I, but like we're saying, like I choose not to do that. Yeah. I choose to like think about that as a means to be able to do everything else. Like yeah. That's how I can kind of make some money. So then I can do other stuff. So I'm like, I'm out of work as soon as I can. And I'm doing, you know, like today I worked all day and then I uh, went for a run in the woods yeah. and then I came here and I'm sitting in here like podcasting with you. Yeah. And then I'll get up tomorrow and I'll go to work. Right. You know, and it's, it's like so much more fulfilling and so much more of kind of like a life like we were talking about before. Yeah. I have to say when I had construction jobs, like, I used to build foundations for houses. I don't know if you know what that entails. <laughs> well, it's I have the an idea. Worst. Oh yeah. It's, like it's, you're basically carrying these eight foot forms on your back, putting them up, you know, taking them down, putting the forms back on the truck. But it, I, I would be in bed at like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> and this is when I was like nineteen. I'd be in bed at eight o'clock at night because yeah. it just annihilated me. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But you, you know. I, I, I'm kind of like energy builds energy. So for me, yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, I get out of work and I, I go work out and that builds energy for me, you know? So like I eat really healthy and I work out and yeah. so I'm always sort of like going, I'm always running. Like I can, today wasn't very hard, but some days I'm roofing for 10 hours. I still go to the gym. Yeah. You know, I'll still go out still go do whatever. Yeah. It's when you stop moving. That's when exactly. you die. Exactly. There's a guy uh, that lives in my building. He's, I think he's 85, but you, you've probably seen him. Like, he walks all over town. And uh, not he the walks. Dude, not the guy that picks up litter. No, no. Uh, but I, that guy's great, though, too, though. He's ornery, though. Yeah, to he doesn't him? look like he's, no, he's, he's, he's really ornery. Nice he's trying to say hi to him. He's, yeah. He turns on you. But this guy, <laughs> in the places he's walking to, is he goes around to all the retirement homes. He does like uh, groups, like activity groups and oh, stuff. Cool. But he's older than most of the people there. But he walks everywhere. Like I'm a huge fan of walking. Yeah, yeah, me too. Huge fan of. I think it's the most underrated activity Same in existence. Here. Like Same as here. someone who, you know, I, I, I I've been so into run, like I've run thirty miles on. I've been so deep into running and like yeah. into everything. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, I walking is my. I I think. I'm a, it, it's, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah, I am too. It's such good time. It's like good alone time. Yeah. Really good alone time. Productive. Or doing it with someone else too. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're just talking 
but it puts you in a different now that I say that it is the sort of uh, antidote to looking at a screen it's Mm. a very meditative state absolutely like I think it's the rhythm probably of your walking you know of your feet I'm sure it rolls you yeah and the breathing but it definitely puts you like in this meditative state and uh, yeah I, I, I try to do it at least five miles a day. Go for a bit. Oh, right on. Nice. Yeah, I did a few today. I did some hills today. Um, so let's um, let's shift gears a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about John McClane. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. Right. That guy. Um, yeah. Tell us. Um, we want to start with uh, the. Uh, sorry, that's not Emily. That's my doctor right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, uh, John McClain, you know, sort of like, where'd, where'd you grow up? Where'd you start? Yeah. Uh, I was born in Dorchester. The Dorchester? The infamous Dorchester. Yeah. I, I can't, I don't say it the way my mother does. You're too far gone. I, I can't, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I was a Massachusetts kid and ended up in... Uh, I went to high school in Danvers. Do you know St. John's in Danvers? I do. John- yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Huge sports school. I was, hockey, yeah. I thought I was going to be a professional hockey player, which I think every Irish kid in Massachusetts growing up <laughs> that, in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, they grew up on skates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. My parents say I could skate before I could walk. I don't know if that's... You know, that might be my personal kind of legend kind of thing. But um, And then I got to high school... And uh, I went to the, I mean, it's like the, one of the biggest hockey high schools in the country. Mm. You know who Bobby Carpenter was? Yes. Yeah. He yeah. was the first, he went to my high school. He yeah. was the first high school athlete to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Oh, right on. Yeah. That's the kind yeah, of he place was like, he was. He was like, uh, wasn't he the youngest uh, recruited? Yeah. He was right a out Bruin. of high school. He was a Bruin. Was he, um, no, no, no. No, he wasn't he went, Bruin, I forget no. where he yeah, went like first. It was somewhere or, else. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember exactly, but he was like the, he was the, he was the the youngest kid, the youngest player um, uh, drafted into the NHL. Yeah. as I recall, out of high school, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I was uh, I was not big enough for sure, and I realized that very quickly. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. You're a, you're. A <laughs> Yeah. You're a slight fellow for the I am pretty the, much the, the size. The you know, I'm actually the size I was in high school. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I weigh uh, like 140 now. In high school, I weighed 135. <laughs> pretty sure no one in the NHL weighs 140. No. So, and I just, a couple of them. Or a couple of you, I yeah, should say. And uh, yeah, what did I? My first, so my first year, yeah, I played football, then hockey. And then I just discovered track mm. in the spring instead of baseball because I knew I was like it, like my high school was like every best kid on their right. team went there right, and right. then you were with all the other to best do kids. that yeah. Like, yeah it's an all boys school so you know it's, it's yeah yeah but track I loved yeah and I really liked the uh the solitary aspect of it like not solitary but that it was all on you Mm. Like there was no team, right, right, right. Yeah, you were part of a team, but you know, yeah. like it was either. Yeah, I, I loved it. I really thrived doing it, and uh, it actually helped me get into some colleges. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, like I got into Colby College, which I had no, with my grades, like no business getting into schools like that. <laughs> but I went to uh, Providence College. All right. Which is in Providence. So, and what did you go for? Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, an English major. Huh. And um, I, I always thought I was going to be a, a English teacher, a high school English teacher, but I didn't do well in school. I got, I, I had like very bad drug problems that started as drinking problems and smoking pot and all that stuff. Just no, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not an unfamiliar story coming from where I came from, I guess. Like the whole, I don't know if that's something that's more Irish, Irish Catholic people than not. Uh, the drinking. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's you the whole know. drinking. Thing. I mean, that's obviously a classic, but that's, yeah. you know, but it's prone to for a reason. Prone to yeah, excess. Let's say. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I really think it has to do with like how uh, shut down everybody, especially yeah. males. You oh, know, yeah. yep. like everything. Like I still, it's Repressed. taken me so many years yeah. to get over I had a very bad anger problem. And it and it's such the classic like Irish like you're totally calm and everyone's like oh yeah he's a very calm guy yeah. you know yeah, no, yeah, nothing yeah. nothing bothers yeah. that guy until until <laughs> it pushed over the edge and I would be entirely out of control yeah. totally out of control <laughs> like no as it's happening you're like I would think like there's nothing I can do right now to put the brakes on this. <laughs> But I think it's all about repression, you know? Yeah. Like just bottling things up inside. And then I do find there's there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of openness in that environment, yeah. in that culture. Yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. a lot of like, hey, I love you and like it's not a huggy yeah. oh, God, it's no. not a huggy no. environment like no. culture. But I, I yeah. I, w- I wanna say this without talking bad about my parents, but <laughs> it's just that's the world that they came from. Yeah, I know. You know? And they, and they were great. Like they did a great job raising kids but there was no none of that love stuff or the touchy stuff like it's funny i actually have to i had to consciously make myself do that stuff with my kids and it's very it's actually very uncomfortable for me oh now it is still it's okay but it's not a natural thing yeah, interesting it's something i had to make myself do but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's it just, yeah. It's funny because I'll, I'll to, to disrail you a little bit and, and talk yeah. about, like, I'll, I'll uh, identify a little bit, is that, uh, and my mother will probably listen to this and, <laughs> yeah. and find it somewhat interesting, but um, I had the same conscious um, effort with my mother. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah, uh, Because, definitely. you know, like, my memory of my mother is is um, extremely caring, extremely nurturing, but not super lovey. Like to give yeah, you an example, like my mother. The, yeah. the, the verbiage was, and, I, and this was a big thing for me in a po- very, very positive way, was she would, she would say in this very matter-of-fact sort of way, like, you know, not only do I love you because you're my kid, but I also like you as a person. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, and and that was a great message, and it was delivered to me, and it was verbal and everything, and that was good. But then, um, and then I just, and then, and then I had kids, and then I found, and you know, so what you were saying, I I found the opposite. I found it extremely natural. Like my kids, yeah. I'm like, 
Like I'm way like I hug every time I see them. Every time I leave them, there's a hug. Yeah. There's a, I love you. You know, I call them and just say, I love you. Like all that kind of stuff. And it's very natural. And it was only, and I bet my mother, now that you're listening, mom, (laughs) you can sort of think back to this. I've very recently, and I bet in the last year, year and a half, been conscious of saying I love you to her yeah and because it was a it was a it was an interesting observation it was like you know what I say it to my kids all the time and I became I've sort of like a lot of self-reflection I've become kind of who I am now versus who I was and and I love you as a part of my life now like I say it to a lot of people yeah and I mean it to a lot of people yeah and then I and I had this really conscious observation it was like I never say it to my mother yeah, that makes perfect sense. To I me, never though. say it to her because it's one of the most not. But I don't love intense. anyone more. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was like like we, like the love is clearly it's so obvious and it's so there. But I, yeah. I you know, and but we never expressed it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start saying it now. When yeah. I see her, I, I say it, and I, when I leave her, I say it. When I call her, I say it, and yeah. she says it back. And yeah. it's very natural, like we just say it. But it was never there, and it was a really conscious effort. Yeah. Pretty, it's funny. It's interesting. It is. I. I mean, I think it's very common among that this yeah. population. <laughs> this this population. The, yeah, well, the like yeah. I, you know the yeah. Catholic. Yeah. Wait, were you Catholic? Well, I always yeah, say yeah. Irish Catholic because yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah. Of Yes, that that was. I mean, I'm not a religious person. But, yeah, but my family was like Irish Catholic. I have 17. Yeah, yeah. that's cousins. a thing. That's what I'm saying. Like Irish yeah. Catholic is a thing. Yeah, it's like a there's a type. It's a package. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I I went to Providence College, which is a Catholic college. Yeah. Um, but I was more into the heroin scene. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was the early '90s, yeah. and in Providence, it was a it was a pretty uh, it was pretty readily available there then. Yeah. It, not like it is now, I guess. Like it seems like yeah. it's everywhere now, but it was it was a different thing. But I just, yeah, it. Uh, I was also playing. You know, I had started my first band, which is called Six Finger Satellite, and it. And this was a thing where. I basically I've had two different music careers yeah. that are so unlikely, because that was like, all right, I want to play in this. I want to play in a band. I'm just gonna make a band, and I made a band with my friends. And uh, do you know what South by Southwest is? Yep. Big well, music festival yeah, yeah, yeah. in yep. in uh, Austin, Texas. Yep. And we went and played there, and it was a place where if you were an unsigned band, you could go and sort of meet industry people. Yeah. And we went and played, and then uh, someone from this big label, Sub Pop, which is the label that like Nirvana were on shortly after us and all that stuff, was there, and they just signed us. And that was it. Next thing I knew, I was on a, you know, signed to a record label, touring around. And you were the, the world. guitarist. And yeah, I was the guitar player. Were you also the vocalist? No, no, we had actually had a a, a singer. And uh, were you? And that's um, what I did for years. Were you doing the writing? Yeah, like all the kind of the 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 main thrust of the songwriting was coming from me, I guess, yeah. as the guitar player. Yeah, but it was. Music and lyrics, you know, or? very post-punk. Not lyrics. Yeah. Every once in a while, I'd, I'd, I'd contribute something, yeah. but but uh, you know, it was very like guitar-driven yeah. kind of stuff. But it uh, it was very much, you know, this thing where it's like it's something I wanted to do, and I just went and did it. 
you yeah. know, and like put the work in. Like I, I like I, I played guitar night and day. Yeah. Just always had it with me, like playing it all the time. And we just got out there, like playing shows and put ourselves out there and and, and did it. Yeah. And it, uh, yeah. It, it it also was very dark, you know. Like my friend in the band, the bass player. Was also a heroin addict, and it, it made touring very difficult. Yeah. It was, it, I mean, difficult is an understatement. It was yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, like the police, and yeah, yeah like any time we'd get someplace, we just disappear because you couldn't. There was no, there's no like days off. You can't be like, oh, I'm not going to do it today. You know, it's it's like your entire life. Yeah. But uh, it got. I mean, it was very heavy. Like at one point, everyone in the band was just entirely sick of it. They were just so tired of it. And uh, and you have to realize, like, for me, at this point in my life, like, I just wanted to die at this point. It was so bad. Like, uh, the singer in the band, actually, Jay, one time on tour came to me and said, he was just so upset and had reached the end of his rope. And he was like, you know, I'm just afraid that someday we're going to find you and you're going to be dead. And my response to make him feel better was, well, if that happens, know that that's what I want. Yeah. That's probably the best thing for me. I'm, I'm really hoping that that happens soon. Jesus. And I thought that that, I was so far gone, I thought that would explain things to him, yeah. make him feel better about it. Yeah, I, I, he, it didn't Just make the, him feel better. The flag better. got redder. Yeah, exactly. So then literally, uh, we were on a tour, and Kurt and I got dropped off, and we're told, like, I mean, literally, I like, kind of threw our stuff out of the van. We're like, we're done. Yeah, we cannot. Yeah, yeah, we can't live with this anymore. And, uh, I once again went to detox in a very long-term treatment program, and uh, what's very got clean? I think it was nine months. Oh wow! I think that's a long time. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I guess now they don't do that anymore because there's no resources for it. Yeah, pretty much, I don't think. And uh, I mean, it was intense. Like I, had, you know, I had a social worker assigned to me, and but that probably saved your life. Yeah, oh, it absolutely saved my life. Like, there's no way I would be here now. I mean, and like people I met along the way. Um, but when I did that, I had to like distance myself from all the people that were doing that stuff. Yeah. And, and Kurt, the bass player in the band, was one of them. I mean, he was my best friend. And uh, yeah, then he died like shortly after from overdose yeah 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 sorry oh, he overdosed yeah so it was like it was about he, as heavy so, as it gets. so he so he didn't do the treatment program he had always been he tried he did yeah. yeah it just didn't it just didn't work i i think it was one of those things i was so much you know i think it's actually helpful that it was so bad hmm. that was always my fear of like 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 I was a big pot smoker too. I loved it. Mm. You know, I never missed a day. Mm. And now in retrospect, like if I'm glad things went the way they went because I had to quit everything. Yeah. And if I didn't, I would have ended up in, instead of like my life was in such a steep decline and it was at the absolute bottom and there was nowhere for me to go. Like I was going to die. I either had to quit or I was going to die. Yeah. Like that was simply the only thing that was happening. But if I had kind of kept it at like being a pothead, basically, right, right. my like life 40, would have like gone 40%. on. Yeah, I just would have. It just would have been like a slow decline. Yeah, for the rest of my life. Yep. Like I'm not against it. Like I, I it's as 
good as alcohol or whatever, but anything I think that you do every day, you have to do that much, I think is not good for you. I agree. And, and I think with that one in particular, it's easy. Everyone else sees that you're not living up to your potential, but you have every excuse of like why you are basically, or like how good it is for you or mm. something. I don't know. Mm. That was the case for me. Anyway. Yeah. What was the thing that like, uh, that actually got you into the program? That, it, this is the thing that I think a lot of people can't understand or relate to is I didn't care about dying. And at that point in my life, you know, after that many years, like I had simply done things that years earlier would be inconceivable. Like that's what happens when you go down that road. Mm. Like it's a series of crossing little lines. Like in the beginning, it's like, well, I'm not going to do it every day. I'll just do it on weekends. Mm. And then it's like, well, I'll do it on Monday and then Tuesday. And then it's like, well, these people that are always ripping me off, like, I'll never be like that. Mm. I wouldn't rip off my friends. Next thing you know, you're stealing from your friends. Mm. And you're always crossing these little lines until one day you cross a line that's, like, really out there. And, you know, like, people were dying around me. And, and I was doing things that I still, you know, I don't think I'll ever stop feeling terrible that I did them. Yeah. And given all of that, it was being faced with not being able to play music anymore that is the mm. thing that made me change hmm. and i and are I, you referring to sort of like being kicked out of the band yeah like yeah. that was so important to me it was the only thing i had ever really wanted to do in my entire life yeah like that was my number one passion and it was like really removing your the only thing that you care about like mm. i'm really passionate about i wow. would rather have died wow yeah. yeah, that's pretty intense. Yeah. I, I, I tell people that a lot of people can't relate to it, yeah. but I, I don't know. I, that really is what it is. Like, people think it's like your friend's dying or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. the. Or you face death. Or you yeah, or like, like yeah. you know, there are lots of times I was surprised that I woke up or people were surprised. You know, yeah. we wake up in a hospital or something and yeah. like, I, whatever, like, just go back, do what you're doing. But um, it was really like ha- the having mute music taken away from me wow. that did it that was the number one reason and then uh, yeah I, to- I mean it just totally changed my life that, that's wow. one of those things that it forces you to live a life of analysis because I can't be too uncomfortable in the world because I'll go back there mm. and it's always there it is still right that's what people don't understand like yeah. it always is there like there's not a day that goes by that i don't think about it wow i think about it every day wow i used to say i think about it every hour at least wow now it's much better but it just never goes away wow so to live with something like that like your life has to be in order you know yeah because and it's a yeah there's that that sort of constant work yeah you have to like there's no way around it but if i step back and look at it then I ended up living a life that's much better. Oh, yeah. Because it forced me to live, like, to some pretty high standards, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's a good observation. Like, even stuff like we're talking about eating well, you know? Like, yeah, if I, I don't feel, yeah. if I don't feel good, then 
I'm that much closer to like, oh, there's this thing that makes me feel really good. You know, like mm. how long could I really go on like feeling terrible, like because I'm not eating or taking care of myself or something? I just wouldn't make it, you know. Um, so you're so um, to be clear, yeah. also like you're you're totally like sober now. Yeah, yeah. Like nothing. you don't do anything. You Absolutely, don't have a beer, you don't have a, nothing. Oh, cool. Not nice. For Which a is sort long, of long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting for your career now. Yeah, too. and then because I, <laughs> as I understand, you're kind of surrounded. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm playing this band throughout the night. After that, the, I get clean and everything, yeah. and some time goes by, and the band kind of comes back together. Same, same, same group. band. Oh wow! And then everything really takes off. Like that's when we were the most successful. Nice. And uh, yeah, I did that until 1998, and then I was just like, I, I just didn't want to do it. I was really burnt out. I mean, we were going on tours. Like ninety day tours. Yeah, from with what I hear, that's a rugged. Three life. days off. Yeah, three days. <laughs> and it was amazing. Most of it was incredible. Yeah. You know, like you're going all around with your friends yeah. and and playing music, but it just wore me out after a while. Yeah. I was like, I kind of want to do something else. And then my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. Uh. I always say got pregnant. It sounds like something that yeah, something happened. To happened. Her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. She was at the store. She got pregnant. <laughs> she, you know, she, she bought a. Yeah, pregnant. I don't know. She, yeah, yeah, that that happened. And uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, I was living in Providence, and we we're like, let's move to. We moved to Kittery first, um, and then I got a job up here teaching at this place, Odyssey House, which was in Hampton, and it was a. Uh, uh, placement center for uh, kind of like a treatment center for kids, teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching there. I was teaching English. But really it was like breaking up fights. Right. And, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like troubled kids or troubled yeah, kids. Yeah, really or, troubled yeah. kids. I actually really liked it. Yeah. And it was the kind of thing where like teachers would quit at lunchtime. You know, like, lunchtime, you go and you, like, walk into the cafe, you're eating, and there's someone crying, like, a yeah, teacher like, just weeping. I can't weeping. take it anymore. Literally, I can't yeah. take it anymore. Yeah, That's yeah. what they would say, and they just walk out. And so the principal would have become to me, very quickly, I was, like, the senior teacher there, because everyone was leaving. <laughs> you're the one that hadn't quit yet. Yeah, and she'd be like, can you teach math next term? And I, I you know, I was terrible at math, but I, I, I learned that... As long as you're one day ahead of the kids, you can teach them anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can just do it. So as did long that, as you're showing up and showing the kids, yeah. like that you're here in some capacity for yeah. them. Yeah, you got something. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I really liked it. And then I stuck around, so the kids end up liking you. Yeah, and you become like they know that you've been there for a year, you know, yeah. some years or something. But I also at the same time, I started making music again. Um, because friends of mine in New York had gotten into making like electronic music, and it's the kind of thing that you could set up in your bedroom and start doing. So that's what I did. And v- immediately it blew up. Hmm. Like I made my first record, and it just blew up. Hmm. So then I signed a publishing deal, which is when you sign over the rights to your music to be used like in commercials or movies that kind of stuff right and this was a um kind of a uh, 
like a like a broad thing. You yeah. sign this publishing deal, which yeah. means that people want to use it can go to that group that you signed with, right? And ca- and look through the catalog. Yeah, that's both. what they do. Yeah, They're like right. administer your catalog, yeah, basically. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my advance was probably two years of my salary teaching. <laughs> so that's when I was faced with this decision like mm. I could try to have this music career or keep teaching and I, and I went I went with that yeah. and then got divorced <laughs> which in, you know that played no small part in it what do you mean now that some years have gone by I've gotten better <laughs> at seeing the other side <laughs> <laughs> at seeing the past well, not, at seeing something from someone else's perspective. Right, yeah. Age, maturity has a lot to do with yeah. it. Yeah, instead of just reacting, yeah. I, you know, I step back and see if you're a mother, you know, and your husband, you have two kids, we have two kids. Yeah, young it's like, kids. Yeah, young kids, and you're saying you want to leave a ex- very stable job to do something that's entirely unpredictable uh, you know there are no guarantees at all it's mm. like I, I can see why that would be alarming or disruptive yeah, yeah. it caused a lot of conflict yeah and I guess it just kind of exposed that we were just two very different people in that regard I was gonna say that, yeah like that's a good that's a good observation of that because you, you certainly could um, speak to could that be done differently? You know, like could it be like just because you wanted to do something like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're making a selfish decision or a, yeah. Because I'm sure that's sort of the crux of it, right? Was like, well, then you're being selfish. You don't yeah. care about yeah. Where, I mean, you're pursuing this kind of childish dream, basically. Yeah, but hey. But look at like look at the now. Yeah, it's hardly a childish dream. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. No one would say that now. But right at the time. But that's the yeah. whole concept of pursuing your dream. You know what I mean? That's like, that was my my and, and that's why yeah. your observation of that you were just different people is yeah. more on target right. than than you um, than your decision caused. Yeah, my a, a divorce. My whole thing has always been pursue your dream. Yeah, like. Yeah. I still have this thing of like, you really are, it seems so trite to say, but you really don't get the time back. Yeah, exactly. It's just gone. Yep. You know, like, why wouldn't you do the thing that you want to do? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Not only does it not make sense to me, I feel like I've gone periods of time where I've denied that in myself. I've literally become so depressed I could barely function. Yeah. Like, I'm simply not equipped to 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 do it differently right like it kills me like i it, it just does like to sort of like give up that stuff and get some kind of like job that i don't care about and and live that way it, it just kills me yeah you don't see the point there's like no point. It's I, so I, pointless. You, you're preaching it sends me into cre- an yeah. existential crisis. I mean, that's what existential crisis is. Yeah. And it's like, why am I here? Like, what is the point of my existence? Yeah. yeah. We get, like I've said it before, it's like we get one time. Yeah. We get one chance here. Yeah, like, that's why it. Why on earth would I 
make you know that guy more money doing something I could care less about. Yeah, you know, and and, and they like, don't care. Like yeah, exactly. It's one of those things. Uh, Who's the woman that wrote the Death and Dying book? Elizabeth Kubler Ross, I think. But she studied you know people when they're dying and like what their regrets were and what was meaningful. Yep. And it's the same things over and over again. Yeah. Why did I work so much? Why didn't I spend more time with people? Loved ones. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say family, but really yeah. just spending time with people. Yeah. Like meaningful time with people. Yeah. And that's basically what it boils down yeah. to. Yeah. And I, I don't want to wait. I don't want to be dying. No, and I take more <laughs> chances. Yeah. That's, that's a big one. Take more chances. Yeah. Uh, have more adventures. Yeah. Uh, have more meaningful relationships. Yeah. yeah. And I think the things that you think are such a big deal now when you're dying it's very yeah. clear that it's funny you, don't you say that I, sp- I speak to that too I, sa- I say that a lot too like when I you know sort of talking with someone about this kind of stuff and like you know whether it's trying to help them make decisions or kind of like talk about the reasons behind my decisions it's it's stuff like that it's 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 um speaking to you just can't you can't argue with that you can't argue yeah. with a hundred people on their deathbed a hundred of a, out of a hundred on yeah. their deathbed saying, these are the things I regret. Yeah. And none of them have anything to do with how much money I made. I wish I worked harder. Yeah. You know, it's like, like those things are never there. Nobody's ever said, yeah. I wish I spent more time at work. Yeah. <laughs> like that is not. I didn't work hard <laughs> enough. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't driven enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it has nothing to do with that. And that's, and you can argue till you're blue in the face, like, well, you know, you got to pay bills and you got to do this. Like, yeah, you do. Yeah. And that's cool. Like, it's okay. Like, have a job. Yeah. You know? Like, have a job, make money. And, you know, you'll be lucky if you can sort of figure out a job that kind of has a little bit of your passion in it. Like, yeah. that'd be great. But I think if, that's a bit of not, a trap, don't, though. Don't kill yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Kind that of. recently, uh, there's been a lot of talk about that, about the emphasis of job being like necessarily your passion. Right. It doesn't have to be. Right. I agree. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's more like, is your existence based, is there meaning outside of like going to this job? Yeah. yeah. And it can be anything, yeah. you know, like, I don't care what, it can be anything, like people collecting buttons or something. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah, yeah. If it's, yeah, exactly. You know, if, if that's your thing, but. Yeah, you're I'm, going and like, like ringing people out at the grocery store for your job, but you can't wait to get out to go home and count your buttons. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. that's cool. As long as you like are driven to do that yeah. and you, you know, then, yeah. then you are, you do have some means. And like we talked about, you know, then you have people in your life that you love and that love you and support you. And Yeah. I've always been really attracted to people who are into things. Just generally, like yeah. that, those are the people that I, I like. Yeah. Like it can be anything though. I don't I don't particularly care what it exactly. is as much as I don't know they're just into doing stuff. Yeah, a little inspiration. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, but that's what I did. I and and then yeah, I've had this really successful music career. Like yeah. I make music, you know, and put how out did, albums and how stuff. Did the, but, how did it how did the, like the big break happen? You you kind of well, like were you're you're in your room and you made a very much I mean, the I also right. I don't know how you did it. I don't yeah really, like it's magic to me, but very much the right time, right place. And and how what did you do? Because you released something somewhere. No, I this is what happened is I had friends in New York who were uh, you know opening a studio and. Getting into this, we were all into like 
punk rock and post-punk and all that kind of stuff. And they got into a little bit more like electronic music and um, like disco stuff and like dance music and, and started like making this kind of like hybrid of like combining all those elements kind of thing. And, and at the same time, like I'm just going to New York and visiting Mm. and still teaching not making music mm. and one day we went out for a walk and they're like alright we're just gonna buy you the basic stuff to have at home and so they set me up with like you know a computer and like little bits of equipment that I could start making this kind of music with mm. and it was all new to me this is like a very I had never done this before yeah, yeah, yeah. so once again so, I was like you know how do I do this right and explain a little bit of like the the concept of the term like making music. Yeah, so it's with like the computer. So and, before it was like playing in a band, yeah. you know, and you all get together and write songs together and yeah. rehearse them and everything. This now was like instead of a drummer, there's a drum machine yeah. that you could program and just you. And so I could do it myself. Yeah. And then you can just like without having to know how to play the instruments. There's a in the computer, you can write out, like, bass lines. You can basically, like, program the music, in a mm, sense. I mean, yeah. you're playing some of it by hand or whatever, or singing and that kind of stuff. But you can create the music in a room by yourself mm -hmm. and mix it. And you know, so you can make songs all by yourself. Right. And then, um, like, the, the, the one that blew up, the first one that blew up, yeah. Um, was it was it just you making like you know a drum beat, a bass beat, yeah, uh, a synthesizer, yeah, boom, and then like literally original music completely. Yeah, or it was were all. You, or were you mixing in? It was all my original music. Oh, okay. And then what what I ended up doing is I would go to New York to my friend's studio, and we'd do the final mixing there. Yep. And uh, and then one day, my friend who had the studio, we went for a walk. Um, he's like proposed to me like well what do you think about i'm gonna i'm gonna start a, a record label my own label what do you think about i'll do that and put out your first record and he did that and it it, it just really blew up and then he went on to make a, have a band that his own music project that is huge mm. you know, like like very very big I don't know if you you probably wouldn't hate them, I guess. Right. lcd sound system is what oh, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 <laughs> you probably would <laughs> No, you know, yeah. that's the world. We were just these guys making this music. Like, no idea it was going to do anything. Right. It just exploded. Yeah. And, and it, it was very much like a... I hate the word hipster. <laughs> this is like the advent of hipsterdom, basically. So you're to blame? Is that what you're there's, saying? There's something called the Hipster uh, Handbook <laughs> that came out like... 10 years ago or something yeah. and our label DFA Records is <laughs> featured very prominently in it to blame yeah I, I consider myself like an elder statesman hipster, hipster day. it's hard a for me to a make, forefather a four hipster yeah I, I mean like, like when I walk around Williamsburg I'm like among my people basically <laughs> it's the it's the place I can go and walk down the street and feel like a rock star yeah yeah people point and talk yeah yeah that, I mean here that, people that's do the one I was talking about it's always funny here because someone will come up to me and be like hey you're Juan McLean I was like yeah like what are you doing here like are you on your way to New York or something yeah, or just like, passing through yeah like, yeah no, always like ah no I actually live down the street you know and it blows their minds yeah you don't have a loft 
like in in uh, in Williamsburg. Yeah, oh, I wish. Now yeah. I should have bought it 15 years ago. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, that's what you know. Now I like DJing is 90 percent of my income. Right. I became a DJ. Like so. I, okay, and then so I'm curious and. And and uh, the the listeners are also getting a very slow unfold of like exactly like who you are and what you do, which is yeah funny. But so so you're making this music, but then that turns into DJing because that's what you're most known. That's for, what you, yeah. That's right? the funny the funny thing is in 2002 when this my first record came out. So you know I'm making this music that other DJs are playing as well. So it's like music that's made to be played in clubs, basically. Yep. So what happened was I immediately started getting offers to DJ. And this is while I'm still teaching. And they were for, you know, I could go play a DJ gig and make as much money as I would make in a week or two weeks teaching. Right. The only problem was I didn't know how to DJ. (laughs) (laughs) And it's actually very difficult. Like now it's much easier, but back then your only option was playing records, like vinyl records. And making two records play at at the same time is very, very difficult. (laughs) And once again, it was like learning to play guitar. Like I just bought two turntables and And I just spent every hour I could figuring it out and then started doing it. I was terrible at first, like terrible. Like, I played DJ gigs that were just awful. I'm sure terrible. <laughs> but I took it so seriously. Yeah. And then, like, very seriously. I was like, there's no way I'm going to do this and not be really good at it. Which has always been my... Yeah. I, I don't... I, I, I only do a few things. I only do things that I think I can be really good at. Right. I don't know if that's a fault. <laughs> it kind of is. Nah, nah. Well, yeah. Because I don't bother with a lot of things yeah, that could still, be you fun. Because s- well, I won't do them. Because I'll be like, no, I can't be the best at that. Uh, right. Like, I won't skateboard anymore. Right. I'm going to go over, like, you know, my studio is on top of the skate park. Right. i go over and Ralph would be like, yeah, come into the skate park and skate. Right. And my reason for not doing it is because I wouldn't be great. Are you, but are you scared of getting hurt, too? No, no, I don't care about that. No. No, it's funny because because the other things are risks. Like you took risks, yeah. like DJ, oh, yeah, like yeah. going and DJing, not knowing like in front of how many yeah. hundreds of people. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, it's terrifying. That was it's a awful. risk. Yeah, yeah. Huh, it's interesting. Yeah, and I get on my motorcycle. That's a pretty big risk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but hopefully you're at least good enough at that. Yeah, you should be good. Before you, <laughs> you, you got your well, good it's enough a license. story. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. That's one of those things. You know, you're gonna. It, it's such a dumb thing to be doing. Motorcycle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's so dumb. Otherwise known as the coma machine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. It is. But I do I really want to go on a cross country motorcycle trip someday. Yeah, that would be. And I will do it too. Guys, because everything we talked about, like I I will do it. Everyone I know that has a motorcycle says they're gonna do it. Yeah. But yeah, you should. I don't want to be However old I'm going to be dying and say, why didn't I do on that? On your deathbed? Yeah. My one regret, I didn't work yeah. hard enough and I never <laughs> went on that goddamn motorcycle ride. Yeah. But anyway, that's what I do now. You know, yeah. I, 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 and DJing has taken me all around the world. So yeah, yeah. I want to hear about that. Literally like. So, so, but, so you, you start blowing up, DJing, yeah. you get better and better at it. And then you decide to start calling yourself. The Juan McLean. I didn't make that decision. My friend James, who oh. is LCD sound system said that because my early days um 
I was very much ripping off a techno pioneer whose name was Juan Atkins. Okay. And then one of our friends walked in the studio and said, oh, who do you think you are, Juan McLean? You know, like, and, and my then, friend James said, that's it. That's going to be your name. Yeah, you are the Juan McLean. Yeah, and then he said, but to make it sound more important, we'll put a the in front of it, a the in front of it. That'll make it sound important. I mean, this is how all this stuff started, like, as jokes, yeah, yeah. you know, not trying to do anything. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you're stuck with it for 10 years. And now you're literally, like, world famous, the yeah. Juan McLean. Right, yeah. Because I met you, like, we just, like, met coffee shop yeah you know like hanging out and it's like you're like oh we, yeah, yeah. You know, we we had massachusetts in common and yeah. cycling and stuff we were talking and then i forget how i forget why you came up how you came up but then i was talking yeah. to someone and he's just like you know the Juan mclean <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's what know. people say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know do i yeah yeah i know john yeah yeah that's the, a, yeah that always cracks me up that is funny but but it, now so you're the Juan mclean yeah and uh you're travel in the world yeah everywhere i mean like japan yeah that far away i just went i mean i'm always going to europe so it's the usual boring paris uh barcelona london <laughs> berlin <laughs> yeah. you have to be really careful who i complain yeah, yeah. to <laughs> uh, about your mundane travel yeah. yeah i remember actually one time talking to my mother on the phone i was in paris and i was trying to take a nap and i was like uh, I'm really irritated. Like, there's all these lights coming in my room, and I can't block them out of my window. Yeah. Oh, you like, mean I, the city of take, lights? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, and then I look up. I'm like, what are these fucking lights? I open the, and it's uh, the lights from the Eiffel Tower. Right. <laughs> my mother's like, Good you nuisance. know, I get up at five in the morning to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> you can't complain and, that the lights yeah, yeah, from the yeah, Eiffel yeah. Tower yeah. are in, keeping yeah, you. And I'm in New England, yeah. and it's three out. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, like, I really, uh, yeah, I get to go to some really interesting places, too. Yeah. Like, I was just in Beirut, which was oh, a new wow. one for me. Nice. Yeah. I had to think twice about that one, because yeah. uh, the U.S. government issued the highest travel advisory for Americans yeah. there. But it was cool. It was really nice. Yeah, but you're like, hey, I'm the, I'm the one that claimed, yeah, I don't right? think like, they care about that when the guys in the pickup <laughs> trucks and all the guns pull up. Yeah, exactly. But it was really nice there. It's not, I, I just watched an Anthony Bourdain Parts Unknown episode in Beirut. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and he was like, he was touting it as like his favorite city, like yeah. his favorite place. And uh, it was intense. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you've seen his shows, but like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he, yeah. does, he does a good job at, at introducing you to an area. Yeah. And it gave you a good idea of like, holy shit. Like, yeah, he really gets in there. But it, and it's, but it's like Beirut was amazing because yeah. it was, it was the, it was a, such a testament of, kind of what we were talking about around stuff because yeah. it was like these people like not only is their life in insane turmoil and war is literally down the street but they also have nothing yeah and then um squall you know like like really a lot of uh, obviously i'm not talking about everybody but then you know then there's yeah. some really harsh conditions yeah, yeah but then you just sort of talk to the people and it's like no we're happy like, yeah we're happy People are happy. That happened when I went to India. I, I'm always afraid of like romanticizing people's misery and poverty, mm. but that is a kind of poverty that I've mm. never experienced in my life. I mean, like, you know, people living in like little shelters made out of tin or something, and uh, 
people just seemed happy. Yeah. Like they just did. Yeah. Like, and it was really weird when I first got there, I was very on guard because of equating like that kind of poverty with danger and like city, you know, like city stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And there was a guy on the corner that I'd buy like fruit from. He had a little fruit stand. You know, these are like really dirty and like as poor as you can possibly get. I remember, uh, I went to this little um, food place across the street from his stand, and I was standing there trying to figure out the menu. And he could see me, and I remember he came over, and I, my first thought is, "What does this guy want mm-hmm. from me? Like, this is a, like a, he's going to try to scam me something." Yeah. And he just like looked at me and he smiled, and even as he's smiling, I'm like, "All right, that's." that's the setup like of course he's gonna smell it you know like all this stuff that's like just your your brain yeah from like being in living in a city you know what i mean like you just are on guard but he just smiled at me he's like you know like just translated the menu Mm. he didn't want anything yeah he wanted to help you he just wanted to help me then he walked back and every day when i'd see him he'd just smile like he'd always smile Mm. ask me how i was doing like and to me experiences like that are life-changing yeah no it really was like and that's how it was there just on the streets like people just seemed happy mm. like they were smiling they'd say hi to you and but they had absolutely nothing like really nothing yeah like literally barely yeah. a place yeah. to sleep yeah like nothing and they just seemed happier it really changed a lot for me yeah nothing ever changed me more than going to that place yeah yeah, I was like, we don't, you really don't need anything. Yeah. Like, you just don't need anything. Yeah, it was amazing. But I've been so lucky because I get to go to all of these places, like, regularly. And I, I, I yeah, I'm just a really big fan of, like, you don't have to go to Beirut. I think if you just get out of town, mm. anywhere that you are, it changes your perspective a little bit. It really you know? does. That's what Leah and I are doing right now. Like we're, you know, we're trying to, we got married recently and we just, yeah. went away, we went away to uh, Belfast, Maine yeah. just for the night. Yeah. And we came and we talked about that. We came back and was like, oh, that was so refreshing. Like we've got to yeah. do that. Even if it's one night drivable away. Yeah. It's so refreshing just to get to, uh, you know, just out of town. I think for, for kids too. Yeah. Totally. You can just bring them anywhere yeah. just to get out of town. Um, I know, like, routines are uh, really bad for you. I forget where I heard this about even things like, you know, my studio is a mile from my apartment. So I try to walk there. Like, I'll walk to my studio and walk home. But just consciously, like, taking a different Mm. route. You know, just making yourself do things differently every day is supposed to be really good for you. Mm. I believe it. But I, I just don't handle very well those kinds of routines that people seem to have. Yeah, a lot of people need it. I feel like a it. baby. Yeah. No, not need it, but like, say you just get up and go to work, do the same thing every day and watch the same shows at night and go to bed and you don't really do anything. I, I see, I feel like a jerk when I say that, but I, I, it would kill me. Yeah, me too. I mean, literally, I think I, I might end up killing myself yeah, eventually. Yeah, yeah, I can't do it either. It's not my world. Yeah, but I feel like there's this other voice, as I say that, that's like, 
Well, yeah, like, but that's what you do, you know. We're adults. You get up, go to work, do what you have to do, and that's it. But then you remember those people on their deathbed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's funny because I, even I, like, I look at my life and all of the things I've done, and on a very, like, superficial level, I think people look at me and think, like, it, it wouldn't be possible for me to have regrets or something. Or, like, somehow I've done so much that it must be very gratifying and I feel fulfilled. But I never really do. Mm. Like, it's always, like, searching for the next thing, <laughs> you know? I don't know. It's that's the thing I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's some internal thing that has to go on. Yeah. Well, we were we were talking before. I was going to ask you, but we, you know, you and I did broach it before we started. But the uh, the what's next kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, like is it because are you going to go into your golden years DJing in Brazil? Yeah. Uh, I I think I'm getting ready for some kind of weird inward journey. Yeah, you know, like I could see myself like living off the grid kind of person for a while. You know, I don't know, I don't know. But in general, though, teaching is something I look into. Like I I like working with kids. Yeah, there's just something. I mean, you worked with kids, like you know how it is. Kids being like teenagers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The most hated population, I guess, for people to work with. The most. It is stressful. Yeah. Hell yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. I was talking to someone about it the other day, and they're like, it's so hard to get them to do anything. I don't know. There's something about it, though, that I really like being yeah. around them. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. Big time. It definitely keeps you feeling young, for sure. Yep. I think. Oh, I totally. Yeah. yeah. Makes really? you feel, helps you, you know, helps you feel young, stay young. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I get a lot out of inspiring yeah, you know, like young people for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm always looking for a way to to engage a young person in something that that I think they're excited about and that they're inspired by, and that and that action in itself just inspires me. Yeah, yeah. When I had left Odyssey House, um, I guess it was while I was still there, actually, because kids wouldn't know how to get in touch with me, but. I'd get letters a couple of times like from kids from jail and and they would just almost be like apologizing to me let's mm. say for being there but saying you know that something I had done or said or something like was really important to them and meant a lot to them mm. and I and I was just like I what better in life could there be than that you know and that's how I I you could I, be out of jail and sending you that letter but that's why <laughs> oh, I started yeah. Working in a place like that, you really have to uh, alter your understanding of success and mm. failure. Yeah. Because if you've planted a seed like that in someone, you don't know, like, who's to say where it's going to end up, right. you know? No, exactly. Like, he's a, like that person is in jail writing that letter and talking about that and thinking that way. So there's, it's, that's not the end for them. Yeah, they're still exactly. moving forward. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you don't know how it's going to play out. So it's like not judging how it plays out, basically. Yeah, or how it has played out. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, though. All that stuff is, it's hard, you yeah. know? Yeah, it takes work and it takes sort of, a, but you and, I are, you and I are people that enjoy that kind of stuff. Like yeah. We, we're like just being conscious, being present. 
yeah sort of thinking about not not letting just kind of moments and thoughts and stuff just kind of wash over us without yeah. without sort of uh honoring or you know paying a bit just paying attention and kind of and almost like playing like i feel like we both sort of play with stuff yeah yeah cerebral like exercises and play with and yeah it engages us it entertains us and it's and it's gratifying and it's helpful yeah. I, I mean, I, that's why I keep saying I, I couldn't live any other way. I think once you're at that point, to shut it off is literally like a death. Yeah. Like, it's almost like once you've become, your eyes are open to something or you're somehow enlightened to something, you can't go back. For yeah. better or worse, you can't go back. Yeah. But with that knowledge comes like this responsibility. Yeah. Because you can't just go back to ignorance is bliss, basically. Yeah. It's uh, it seems appealing sometimes. But we're, I I, mean, we were, I was talking to someone today about people who just can kind of like coast through life on a very surface level and seem yeah. to be okay. I don't know if that's better or not. I don't know. It's boring, it's boring to me. It does seem boring to me. Yeah. 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 I don't know, but but yeah, that's the question. Is like, what do you do with all this stuff as you get older? You know. It is. That is the question. Like when my parents turned 40, it was, you'd think that they were preparing to die. Like that generation, oh, 40 no. was ancient. I know. 40 was like old. Yeah. That's that, that's that premise of the book that I was telling you about, that Younger Next Year book. Yeah. Is that uh, like when, when people hit their 40s and 50s, they just, they, they, uh, instinctually have this attitude of like, okay, now I'm going to die. Yeah. Like now I'm on my way down. Yeah. You know, when really you're just getting like nowadays and, and, and even then just, but people weren't paying attention to it, but we know like we're just getting going. Yeah. Like that's what 51, I feel like. Yeah. And I'm like just getting started. Yeah. I'm, that's I've, what I feel I've like. kind of finally just figured out who I am. Yeah. And what I am and what I like what I'm what drives me. Yeah. And I'm 51. Yeah. And I and that but and it and I'm also like okay so I'm like motivated. I'm like okay, let's just friggin I waste a lot of years. Let's get going. Yeah. Let's do this. No regrets. Yeah. I don't have regrets. But I wish I figured it out a lot sooner. I'd be a little, you know, like I'd be But I but I again like I'm not looking back. I'm just looking forward. I don't know. I I'm not afraid to tell people I see a therapist. good good i really like i think it's very helpful like i have on and off over the years and that's one of the things it's probably fun i love it you just go in there and like come on let's just talk about let's yeah you're just talking about figuring your life out like what's better than that you know that's what i've been talking about lately is like i was like jesus like i feel like i'm just figuring this stuff out now yeah you know but what i realized is no, it's like everything leading up to now got you to figure out yeah. where you're at. It's not like all these other people are walking around and they figured all this stuff out like 20 yeah. years ago. Right. It doesn't work that way. No, it it's just because we're paying attention. Yeah. You know? It's just because you're paying attention yeah. and you're like present for all of it that you're able to feel like, you know, like, oh, I'm coming into my own finally or something. But yeah. You're always coming into your own. It's just always a process of doing that. But there are things I wish, you know, apparently I haven't been so good at, like, relationships or something. <laughs> I'm always a little mystified by that. People oh. see, uh, people always seem to have figured out, and I, I'm a little baffled by it. You'll get it. Yeah, yeah. You and I are doing good. Yeah. We haven't had, we haven't had our yeah. first fight. 
Well, we haven't been romantically involved either. <laughs> that's the one uh, that oh, seems to be right, right, right. what it kind of hinges on. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah, friends are awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Romantic relationships are a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I found my soulmate. Yeah. yeah. But do you think it's how much of it is them and how much of it is you? being prepared uh, yeah, to no, receive no, that's a good them. question that's a good question and i th- i think it's a i think for us it's we both are we uh, it's it's both we're yeah. both in that same thing she's right. prepared to receive me and i'm prepared to receive her right um, um i think yeah i mean i think that's what it is yeah yeah you know? that's i think yeah. that's the key yeah that at some point, you, I, 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 yeah, I put a lot of the responsibility on myself these days. Yeah, like you have to kind of take care of yourself. Yeah, I mean, to to, I guess to to speak to it a little bit, it's it's um, I am in a I am a different person, and I am in yeah. a different place. So I have a much more, you know, like she'll she like we'll talk about things like I, I mean, just to be you know, sort of vague ish. It's like, she'll say, I need something. Yeah. And the old me would have, would have not paid as much attention to that. You know what I mean? The old me would have been a little more selfish about that. Yeah. Yeah. And now I am like really happily just willing to honor what she needs. Yeah. You know what I mean? And be like, no, that's totally fair. She needs that. And I'm in a relationship with her. Yeah. So I have a responsibility and a willingness, both equally to just to honor like what she needs. And she more than does the same for me. I think that's what what makes people happy. Yeah. Is when you putting aside your stuff to take care of someone else is generally what makes people happy. Absolutely. Like that, is the, that key, yeah. yeah like yeah, it is sort of focusing on getting stuff for yourself is not doesn't lead to no. happiness. No, it, it really doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's when you put it all aside and take care of someone else. That's like when people are happy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's still some time left. I'll, I'll yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, you sort of you sort of know now, so you yeah. got you got to find that right one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you will get it. You're a very worthwhile guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'll you'll make a woman happy. She'll make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, right on, man. Yeah. Um. When uh, we could wrap it up. Yeah, but I I did want to ask you one question. Yeah, yeah. I, I was That's actually amazing. just kind of curious, like. Uh, but I feel like we might have sort of covered it, but I was sort That's of curious, cool. like with all your world travel. Yeah. Um, Cause it, this has kind of been stuff that's been in my, my head lately. So um, with all your world travel, a, they're not necessarily even connected, but like, what's your favorite place? What's the, like, oh, yeah. what's your favorite place that you've been to and like coolest um, mixed with like, do you, has all your world travel, this is kind of just like a genuine question for me. Like, has all your world travel and seeing all the different cultures kind of given you a optimism or a pessimism? Yeah. You know, or a, or a, or a, and or like a slant towards where you live, like in the United States. You yeah. Know what I mean, do you have kind of that, 
we're fucked. Yeah. Or, nope, it's all good. Well, first I'll say, because I get asked all the time, what's your favorite place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel yeah. like I have a very disappointing answer. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> no, no, no. My favorite place, city, is Paris, I think. Oh, that's... I love that's Paris. That's not disappointing at all. Well, it's... It's not Tokyo, but it's, it's, but it's still like... Obvious, though. Yeah. But there's a reason exactly. why everybody loves it. Exactly. And especially as an American... I can't wait to go. Like, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And especially as an American, when sure. you're there, it's like you are living in history there. Like yeah. here, yeah, yeah, yeah. people think like, oh, I live in this house that's from the 1800s. You know what I mean? Like it's so old. Yeah, yeah. And there they have like, you know, know, bars that are five times older than the United States or something. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the, just the, the, you don't need to be going anywhere there. Like you just get out and start walking around mm. and it's incredible. Yeah, the culture is so rich. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then that's cool. The food, of course, I love the food and just the sort of way of life there. Of, I think they repealed it, but they used to have a thirty-two-hour work week. Like mm. that's the work week. Yeah, and like I said, like it's very normal. There's a lot of like sitting outdoors to eat, like sitting out, you know, uh, mm. at a bistro, like on the sidewalk, and just watching people walk by, mm. and you sit there for like four hours talking. It's historically like a very, you know, like talking culture. Like people love to get together and just talk, you know, yeah, like cafe yeah, yeah. culture. Like yeah. it's been going on there uh, forever. I would, I would thrive in yeah. that. Yeah. I, I, I love it there. And it's very easy to get around. They have a, um, a bike system there. Like mm. there's bike racks everywhere and it's like one euro a day. And you can bike anywhere oh, really? in the city. Anywhere. Nice. Yeah. So one euro gets you that sort of like that transportation the, for the whole day. Yeah, there's bike racks everywhere and you get a code. You just walk up to the station. Oh, that's amazing. Punch in your code, the number of the bike that you want. Get, yeah. get on the bike, drive away, drive it to the next place, yeah. leave it there. And it, it's incredible. And the city and the, the surroundings are also laid out to really accommodate that. Yeah. Versus around here. It's like a little tiny yeah. hub. And then around here, it's like a little yeah. tiny hub. And then miles away of horrible cycling. No, this is like another little hub. Even if you're going to a place that's three miles away, you pass a lifetime of stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, yeah, I I love it there. But um, I'll tell you, like, it's actually traveling has made me more optimistic about people in general, and oddly about Americans, hmm. because when you're an American especially during the Bush years, mm. like traveling. <laughs> like I forget, like, you know, like Americans were so hated yeah. during that time. Like I, I really hated. And like people would get mad at me about George Bush. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like I'm me? A like you think I boat? Yeah. You think I, w- you think that's my thing? Like, <laughs> um, and for all the criticisms of Americans, uh, and they have a lot of them everywhere yeah. you go. Like people yeah. criticize Americans. Americans are really nice, yeah. and they're just like, uh, I don't know, they're just good, they tend to be good people. Like, you go, it, like, if you're in New York and you're on the subway and you want to know how to get to the next place, mm. like, ask anybody. Mm. Like, people love to help mm. in a place like that, you know? Like, or, um, I don't know, I just think Americans, for all the criticism of them being, like, you know, overly friendly or whatever 
you know, you go to a place like Berlin where I go a lot and, you know, nobody will help you. If you ask someone for directions, they might just scowl at you. Mm. You know what I mean? Whereas like here, like I've walked people, you know, someone's asked me for directions. I've been like, well, I'm walking that way. Like, yeah, let's just I've, walk together. I've done the same thing. Yeah. And you yeah. can like talk to them and hang out. Yeah. I feel like that's a very American thing. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but it really has made me appreciate Americans more. Interesting. Yeah. That's good. And I, and I meet so many nice people everywhere I go. Mm. Like I really do. I, it's just everywhere you go, there's just, I don't know, there's good people. Mm. It, 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 it's definitely made me more optimistic That's good. the more I got out there, which I'm realizing now, I, I never really thought about this. I guess if you just stay in your little area, it is easier to become more pessimistic, yeah. pessimistic about the world. Yeah, you start telling yourself stories. Yeah, yeah. that aren't true. Right. And they're not being Yeah, they're, you're, you're, telling your, you're telling yourself stories based on your opinions. Yeah, yeah. and they're not true. They're yeah. not being challenged. Right. And that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I never thought about that before, like that directly, but yeah, that's that's kind of the way it goes. That's good. Yeah, I... I that's kind of what I had a feeling... Yeah, I, well, that's why I wanted to ask that. That was sort of my, I had a feeling that you ran into general happiness. Yeah. And I have friends everywhere, yeah. like everywhere in the world now. Yeah. Like even now, like if I go to Beirut, like the guy who brought me there, like I can go have dinner with right. him. He'd be happy to see me. Like, right. like, you have, like these people, like, you know, that, that guy specifically, like you get off the plane in Beirut, I had to sit through two hours of security, all that stuff. And that, and it's always this thing you walk through the gate with your bags and you're kind of looking around for the guy that's going to pick you up. And I saw like this guy comes running over and he just ran over and hugged me. He was like, Oh, you're one McLean. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was like, you're the guy. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, puts his arm around me and walks me out and like carries my bag. Like I just meet people like that all the time. It's so nice. And and here in, in, you would have been met by like a, a stranger with a sign yeah, with, with your name sign. on it who would have not said a word. Yeah. Right this way, Mr. McLean. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes those guys are really nice too. Yeah. You know, you talk to them and yeah. they, I think they feel like they're not allowed to talk to you or something. Right. You got to break that ice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I like people, like I like meeting people. It's fun. You know, hearing their stories or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're good for traveling then. Yeah. And then I come home and I don't know, it makes me appreciate coming back home for sure. Yeah. But also a little disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just want to still be out there. Yeah, I always want to be out there. I'm very addicted to the road. I would very, be too if I were very that. much so. I don't think I have. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm glancing to see. Out here. Oh. Uh, I think we covered everything. Yeah, yeah. covered a lot. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we actually. It's funny. We covered a lot, but we sort of barely scratched you. Yeah, in a way, that's true. but it's yeah. all good. It was, but that's always my yeah. whole thing. I feel like when I like meeting people or something, like very quickly, just end up talking about like stuff. Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. Like yeah. I think that's what I'm geared towards, yeah. and very little about like you know. It's sort of like going to the therapist. That that sort yeah, of yeah. that sort of um, uh, mentality. Like it, like you and I, I think we share that. It's like fun to just like sit down with someone and just like kind of brain tease and yeah, figure yeah. stuff out. And yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah, right on. Sign of an active mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, brother. Yeah. I appreciate thanks you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for that was fun. Thanks for coming on. And uh, be careful out there. Yeah. 
always. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Be good. Peace. Love you.